Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. You've been in software development for a few years now, and you're ready to move up, or you've been wanting to make the switch into development, but prefer some form of formal education to get there. You may have a degree, but want to get into something specific like machine learning or artificial intelligence, or just move into management. There are a lot of different reasons you may be looking at going back to school to get a formal education in computer science. We're going to look at the decision to go back to school with the purpose of helping you weigh the pros and cons of making this life-altering decision. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I have been fighting every piece of software I interact with. (laughs) I mean, it's just like every time I turn around, something else is messed up. Uh, Bank of America's site, uh, there was a JavaScript issue, which I was actually able to get in on the console and get around (laughs) uh, so I could transfer money. That was, you know, I guess that should feel good, but it's kind of like if I had, you have to do that, it's not really optimal. I've been fighting with software on my NAS. Uh, Windows pushed an update that looks like it is hosed drivers for several things on my motherboard. Um, so that's not happy news. One of the things is the surround sound. I now have 2.1 surround sound. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just like an epidemic of software that doesn't quite work. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that entire epidemic has just landed right here in this basement. So how about you? <laughs> I'm actually really excited right now. I have hit one of my annual goals. I am down a pant size. Nice. Really, really awesome. I've been noticing that my clothes are kind of loose for a while now. And even the ones that fit a little bit tighter were getting loose. So um, over the holiday weekend, I went shopping and found that I fit into a size smaller pants, which is really cool. Also, I am wearing an extra large shirt instead of a 2XL right now. Very good. So I'm just like super pumped that I'm making progress. I am one size away from the size I was most of the time in college and two sizes away from the thinnest I've ever been in my adult life. Very good. Yeah. Um, You remember that when we were, um, when I came back from Ireland after like walking? Yeah. Spending like a month camping. Yeah. And, you know, I I came back and I was just like super thin and kind of in really great shape. Like I am two sizes away from that. So I'm just, I'm pumped. It's really awesome. Also got my first assignment for school. We've had practice problems, but uh, this is the first graded work that I'll be doing in grad school. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. I'm just a bit worried that I'll do something too advanced for where the class is, because this is sort of a class for people with no history of coding. Whereas I've been doing it for a living for a few years now. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, Labor Day was earlier this week, and I took the opportunity to get some rest. I let myself sleep in all weekend, and now my sleep schedule is totally off. Ooh. I've been tired all week long, man. It's It's been rough, um, even to the point where like people at work are noticing. They're like, you, you all right? You feeling all right? And I'm like, no, I'm just really tired because I haven't been able to sleep well at night. So the idea to rest kind of backfired on me. But I have a fun project that could have helped me out this weekend for IOTs.
So this is an alarm clock connected to your smartphone via Wi-Fi using ESP8266 modules. You can set up to 20 alarms, and this limitation is due to the hardware. You're also able to add, remove, and alter alarms using an Android application when the device is connected to the same Wi-Fi network as your phone. Unfortunately for those of us iPhone users, that's not an option, though we could get a cheap Android phone just to learn and play around with the technology. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? We got an email from Kathy. It says, hi, I really get a lot out of the posts on your website. They help me to understand what you two are talking about. Thanks, Kathy. Kathy, thanks. We put a lot of effort into creating outlines that can be both good audio and uh, readable notes on the site. Will and I both put a lot of work into that. So thank you. Send us an email with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Instagram, Path, and Tumblr. Check us out each week where we do a Facebook and Twitter live talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering some listener questions. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. If you're already a software developer but don't have a degree in computer science or are looking to break into the field, you may be considering going back to school. There are several options ahead of you based on what you're wanting to do and your academic history. In addition, returning to school will impact your life in ways that you may not be considering. This is about going back for formal education, not to code school or boot camps. So this is university stuff. We'll have another episode later talking about code school and how to determine if you should attend one and which school is best. Having not attended schools outside of the U.S., most of our examples will come from experience here in the States. Most of the episode will apply no matter where you live, however. Now, 75 to 80% of this episode came from my experience making the decision to go back to school. The rest is a combination of a few blog posts that I read and some of Will's experience with a CS degree. And like Will said, this information is going to be a bit US-centric, but we'll try to point that out and mention when you know there are areas that we know are going to be just specific to our knowledge. When creating this episode, I divided it up into several sections. First, we'll discuss some of the common ways of going back to school. Then we'll delve into the process of deciding to go back to school, discussing the different things that you need to consider when thinking about going back. So first off, the ways to return to school. There are several different paths that you can take when going back to school. You may not have attended school past high school or have a degree in another field. And you'll see the most U.S. specific things in this section because we're talking about the actual schools. Yeah, we're not calling it university. Yeah. <laughs> like like the rest of the planet seems to. <laughs> so if you're a first-time student, uh, the traditional path is to attend college after high school or a year afterwards. You know, they call that the gap year. Which that's a very European thing and sort of a, a Northeastern. Yeah. It's not something that I'd even heard of growing up in the south yeah because down here you know daddy's gonna put you to work in the field yeah <laughs> if you take a year off like it's it's you're, not you're, better <laughs> you're not taking a year off to go you know um you're gonna learn how to put up tobacco and why you want to go to school to not have to do that anymore <laughs> right um though i will be honest i'll be honest you didn't meet me until sophomore year my freshman year i probably should not have been in school yeah i really should have taken a year off i was not ready for college I didn't have to study real hard in high school, 
And I just was not prepared. I was not, I don't think, mentally prepared or emotionally prepared for college. I could see that. At 18. Now, the crazy thing is the very next year, I came in and just, you know. You just hit it. Hit it. But, like, that one year, I did so much maturing. So, uh, that, that gap year, I think, is kind of important. Now, this is what most people think of when they're talking about going to college, is that going to school right after or a year after high school. One way to save money on this traditional path is to take your general education courses at a community college before attending um, and graduating from a university. I know we had a friend that did this. Um, actually, I think we had several friends, but the one that I'm thinking of, um, Brandon, he did all of his general ed classes at one of the community colleges right up the road from where he grew up. So he yeah, stayed I did some of mine too. Yeah, um, at Motlow, not a ton. Like I got one year. Yeah, a- I think he did. He did his first two years at Motlow, and then came to Lipscomb with us. And so he he got those out of the way, paying a whole lot less. Yeah, and the other thing too is like. You know, if you do that, you're closer to home when you're in that, you know, that stupid young adult phase that everybody yeah. goes through and mm-hmm. it's less likely to damage you. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty valuable. Now, there's other traditional paths as well. There's, you know, things like military service, uh, you know, volunteering through something like the Peace Corps. People do a lot of this stuff just to pay for college, especially in the States, because college is not cheap. Yeah, I know a lot of people uh, that went to the military. And then got out and on the GI Bill. So they were four years older than most incoming freshmen. So they did four years in the military and then got out and went to school. Uh, actually, most of my fraternity brothers. Yeah. Um, and of course, in our time. age group, um, you know, for your first round through college and mine, you know, the people that went, you know, they joined the military to pay for school, you know, and then they're there when 9-11 hits. Right. Yeah, that, that was that was rough on a lot of them, um, but yeah, we both knew a lot of people that did that, and it's still a pretty common mm-hmm. way to do it. Plus, I think a lot of the military discipline helps a lot of people quite a bit, you know, even more than they realize before they get into school. Yeah, I know my my uncles went into the military, and my family really didn't want me to go that path, but in a way, I kind of think it would have helped me out. I think I would have done better the, my first year of college. Had I done that? Yeah, I think so, too, because I just know how you were at, um, you know, 23 versus yeah. 18, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's a big difference. Reasons for not going to college on the traditional path include things like poor grades in high school or the high cost of tuition. In the U.S. specifically, and it may be different in other countries, all the states here have what we call a second chance school that accepts a student no matter what their high school grades or test scores. Yeah, and those with poor scores get placed in remedial courses at the school or at community colleges, basically to get them up to snuff so they can handle the regular coursework. This doesn't apply to graduate school, however. Yeah, if you do poorly in college, there's not a second chance grad school. Yeah, grad school is a lot trickier. I think there may be some way to do it, but I don't know what that would be. Mm -hmm. It's basically go back and get either get a second degree or pass some test and yeah. you know prove that you have that you've gotten the knowledge since in some mm-hmm. other way. Now, in other countries, your path may be different. For some, it's chosen early. I know some some countries, especially ones that have government subsidized education, the you are I think it's like right around where we would be in middle school. They you choose to either go a tech or vocational yeah a vocation a vocational or a college path yeah and from there it's like you go to a vocational school or college 
but you get a lot of your, what we would call your prerequisites or your general education while you're still in high school right. at that point. So it's, it's different in other countries. Um, honestly, this is a great place if you uh, want to comment. Yeah, because we'd like to hear how it, how it works you know, where you are. Yeah. Cost can also be a cause for not going the traditional path. Yeah, and it's increasingly a major cause mm-hmm. for people not doing that. It's just, it, you know, it's it, basically you're buying a house. Like you're buying a, you know, you're, you're paying for the cost of a house in a metropolitan area mm-hmm. by the time you're out of college. Yeah. And that's kind of rough, especially if you are looking at going into a career path that can't service a loan on a house like that. Well, you're not going to be able to have a house on top of it. So right. that's pretty tricky. Going to college for the first time as an adult can be difficult. Yeah, you're going to have completely different priorities than traditional students. Now, that may actually not be bad. That may be to your advantage. Right. But you have to make it your advantage. Mm -hmm. Now, traditional students, um, they're in school both for the learning and the experience, the social and otherwise. I know you and I gained a lot more than just the education when we were in college. And I've had a lot of college experience because I, I did college and then I went back to do some some more work in order to get into medical school, and I did grad school. So it's your traditional students; they're they're there for more than just the what you get in the classroom. Yeah. Whereas if you're if you're an adult going back to college, you're doing it with a goal in mind. You probably have that kind of uh, you know dialed in a little bit better, and so you're not there for the social events. Mm-hmm. Most of your traditional students are going to be paying for school usually through loans. Or family, whereas your non-traditional, your adult students are likely going to be paying out of pocket. Yeah, or maybe work is paying for it. But right. even so, like the the cost awareness is much much higher. Mm-hmm. The next path we're going to talk about is the second bachelor's degree. So this would be you've you may have gone the traditional path and gotten into a career and decided that's not what you wanted to do with your life. I mean, this happened to me. Yeah. Twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, three times, I guess, right? Because I'm on my third career, if you count med school as a career. Yeah, well, because you were trying to get in. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, would, I would say that. It was, you know, it was just a, you can completely launch yeah. on that one. A way that some people choose to get into development or advance their career is to go back and get a second bachelor's degree in computer science. Yeah. So getting a second degree in computer science, especially if you're young enough, can be like starting your life over. For good or ill. To move up in some places, you may be required to hold a bachelor's degree. Um, yeah, I don't have a real high opinion of that. Uh, there was, you know, there's reasons for it, right? Because they've got to have some kind of filter. I just think that this is a bad one to use. Yeah. And it, it sort of depends also where you're trying to move up. If you're moving into management, you know, they, they may want you to go take some business classes and some leadership classes. And it, it's sort of, it's a little bit on what you're trying to get into as well. Yeah. And if you're in Huntsville, you know, doing stuff for NASA, yeah, you're going to probably want a, you know, computer science degree if you're doing programming down there because of what you're dealing with. If you're making web apps, that's a different thing. Right. And we're going to have some more detail on this in the reasons section for going back to school. Typically, when getting a second bachelor's degree, you will not have to retake your general education classes. And this, of course, depends on your program and your previous degree. So, Bachelor of Science uh, has a different set of general ed classes. There's more math, there's more science, that kind of stuff, you know, as opposed to a Bachelor of Art, because that will be more humanities, language, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. See, history is counted as humanities, right? Right. So, I remember... I minored in it, but I can't remember if it's a humanity. <laughs> I remember um, 
our friend Thomas, he's a surgeon in Boston now. He was a history major, which required foreign language, but he was also pre-med, which required all the math and sciences. Yeah. So he had to do both. Uh, whereas I was a psychology, which was considered a science. And so when I started off pre-med biology, everything that I took just transferred over into psych. That helps a lot. Yeah. This is all going to depend on how credits from your previous university transfer to the new school, though this is less of a problem than if transferring while you're seeking a degree. Right. Um, I tried to leave Lipscomb you know, because the environment wasn't suiting me and it still didn't suit me after I got back. And I mm-hmm. went to the University of Alabama in Huntsville for one semester. Uh, my credits did not, for the most part, travel with me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to go back. It was like, okay, you either go back or you can basically lose a year. Yeah, so I just had to put up with it. Personally, I'm really glad you came back because <laughs> that semester that you came back is when we met. Yeah, I met a lot of my real good friends <laughs> that, you know, that I'm still around you know, yeah. with now. So you'll still have to take prereq courses um, you know, in a second bachelor's degree. Uh, this may be the case even if you have previous um, AP or CLEP credit for them. So I guess you had to go back and take calc for med school, for instance. Right. Yeah, so I... I took AP Calculus in high school, took the exam, got out of Calc 2. I didn't have to take any math in college because Calc 2 or Calc 1 was the highest required for my degree. And I had credit for 1 and 2 based on my scores. Um, And But when I decided to go to medical school, they didn't accept AP credit for applying. So I had to go back and retake. Well, plus it was a long time ago, too. I mean, that's the other thing. (laughs) That that is true. There There was like a whole like undergrad and grad school between those, but I did have to go back and retake calculus um, for med school, which I really don't understand why you have to have calculus for med school, but yeah. Anyways, um, now in computer science, this is likely to be more math courses than other degrees, unless like you majored in math. So my little sister, who's a math teacher that majored in math education, probably if she wanted to go back and get a computer science degree, would not have to take any math classes. Yeah. Um, Also, already having a bachelor's degree may mean that you don't have to take college entrance exams, such as the ACT or SAT. Right. This will likely depend on how long it has been since you were last in school. I probably would have to at this point, right? Because I got out in 02. Maybe. Maybe. And it's not like I would go back, so I would never find out. But, uh, you know, that's that's a thing. If you wanted to go get a graduate degree, that would be different. If you going back and getting a second bachelor's, I still don't think you'd have to take that. It also depends on the type of previous degree, uh, just like the prerequisites and general ed classes. If your degree was not in STEM, uh, then you may need to prove aptitude in those areas. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder, too, if I were to go back, I think I would enjoy math a lot more than I did. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Because the... You know, like the thought process, like it didn't really hit me how much work I can save myself with math until I was out of college, like a year out. And then I was like, oh, this is way easier than doing it the other way. <laughs> See, I got that in, in high school calculus. Out of the, the teacher, he one thing that he taught all of us that just really stuck with me was that calculus isn't the algebra. Like there's a lot of algebra involved in getting to the point of doing calculus, but the calculus itself is actually shortcuts to get out of doing advanced algebra yeah and that like and really see, i never had me. that because i was homebound right so yeah, so yeah like, and like i that stuck with me that has stuck with me since high school so yeah if you got if you don't have a stem degree you know you'll have to prove aptitude 
And, you know, if you have lower scores in science and math, you might have to retake some stuff. Right. Now, the the final option we're going to talk about is graduate school. This could be a master's program or a doctorate. Going beyond a bachelor's degree, graduate school goes in depth in a certain area of computer science. For me, I'm getting a master's in data science. And master's degrees are generally the next step after your bachelor's degree. You don't have to do in-depth in computer science if you're jumping in at that point. Right. There are leadership and management programs that focus on the the qualities that you will need to be a manager. You can also get an MBA in computer science or computer information systems. I have several coworkers. Yeah, now that's something I might consider doing. It's yeah. an MBA. They've got a really great program. It's all online at MTSU. I have several coworkers that are doing that. Um, I looked at it, but I wanted to do the more computer science, data science yeah. than the business side of things. So I went. You went the other way. Yeah. yeah. Going all the way, you can get your doctorate in computer science and teach or do research. Yeah. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. And that is something that because. And I know some people I really respect that are doing that. Yeah. And, you know, that sounds mind bogglingly crazy to me to want to do that. But. It sounds amazing to me. In some doctorate programs, you get what's called a non-terminal master's degree as part of the PhD process. Now, I have some fun stuff here that one of my psych professors in college told me, and I, I really, whenever I'm talking about graduate school, I always think of these. Uh, the first one is, everybody knows what BS is. Bachelor of Science is abbreviated BS. There's well, other know, things that are too. Right. So, Masters of Science... MS is more of the same, and your PhD is just piled higher and deeper. Yep. <laughs> now, the one that, that really stuck out to me is when he was describing students' attitudes after getting a degree. And he said, when you get your BS, you feel like you know everything there is to know about the field. And he was talking about psychology, but this applies in a lot of other areas. Like yeah. you, you get out and you, you've just spent four or five years working really hard and you feel like you know everything there is to know and just like you're, you're honest. Yeah. And then you go and you get your masters and you finish that and you're kind of beat down and you're just like, man, I really don't know anything about this field. And then you get your PhD and you realize nobody knows. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That seems to it seems to fit. Although I will say that just your career will do that to you too. Right. Like you because yeah. I, I I can see that same progression. Yeah. You know, because I mean man, when I first got out, there's there's a developer I used to work with. His name was Joe Audette. Mm -hmm. And he was my boss. And he would you know, he would be discussing how to fix something with somebody. And he was talking about how, like, I would just pop in there like Kramer on Seinfeld. Just bang. Hey, I've got an answer, you know, on, yep. on that. And I remember doing that. And then there was a point where I got a little further along and I'm like, wow. You know, like I got a big slice of humble pie. And mm -hmm. then now I've gotten a little further and I'm realizing it's like, you know, we're kind of all drowning. I'll tell you what really humbled me a great deal was not getting the promotion the first time I applied for it. I can see that. Yeah. I'm, And I told my boss and my boss's boss that I'm glad I didn't get it. Like it, it really made me reevaluate myself and a lot of things. And we should have an episode on that. That changed my attitude. And I've been working to adjust to that. Now, attempting a graduate degree is possible without already having an undergraduate in computer science. 
Hey, I'm doing it. There are some programs out there that accept students that do not have a degree in computer science. The one that I'm taking right now, it's not specifically designed for people without a degree, but they have a path for people without a degree. And that's one of the reasons that I chose it. It's why I started the conversation with the director of the program. And through that conversation, it led to it. Now, most of these will review your work history and transcripts before determining which, if any, prerequisites or remedial courses that you need before beginning the program. These will likely have graduate-level courses that teach what they have determined are the important pieces from the undergraduate degree. Like, I'm taking one right now, um, and I've got three graduate-level computer science courses and one undergrad math course that I have to take before I can start taking the the regular graduate courses. Yeah, I think they kind of distill it down because part of the deal with bachelor's level courses is that they're targeted towards a certain audience mm -hmm. that has a certain maturity level. And Very that's true. different in the master's level, so they can kind of shrink a lot of stuff. Where mm -hmm. and You may also be required, like I am, to take some undergraduate courses that are prereqs. Um, these are usually be in other departments like math, which is mine. I have to take discrete. You're going to have to complete these before you start your graduate courses. Now, other programs may basically require you to get a second bachelor's degree as part of the master's. Yeah. And it just, it really depends on where you go and what you're going for. Mm -hmm. Next is to go or not to go back to school. That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of being passed over or take arms against a sea of aggrandizement and by opposing end it to study to sleep no more. You thought about literature. <laughs> <laughs> People make the decision to go back to school for many different reasons. On the other side, though, there are just as many reasons people decide not to go back to school or pursue a graduate degree. So we're going to start off talking about the reasons to go to school and then talk about the reasons you may not want to go back to school. So as we've already mentioned, going back to school can help you get a job in development or advance your career. Yeah, you don't have to get a degree to get into development, but it can open a lot of doors for you. And, you know, it's not just the um, being accepted for a potential job, but it's all the people you know that mm -hmm. were in there, too. Some people prefer a more formal route to learning. Yeah. We have a friend, Kate, that she was working at a university and went and got a second bachelor's in computer science because she wanted to leave her field of uh, expertise and get into it. Yeah. And... You know, that's totally fine. Like, people have to pick the uh, the route that's going to work for them. Mm -hmm. Now, there are jobs and positions that require some form of formal education. I would say that most of them still do. Like, they're yeah. still going to go, hey, you got to have a degree in something. These tend to be more on the software engineering side than the straight-up coding side. Right. And that's why the company I work for is as picky as they are about, you know, you've got to have a bachelor's degree in some kind of, you know, math or engineering or computer science um, because we're having to deal with a lot of stuff like, I mean, matrix math comes up. Mm -hmm. Some people go back to school in order to be considered for management opportunities and requirements for promotion. We kind of mentioned this in the second bachelor's, but a lot of companies will require that you have a degree to move into management. Yeah. Even if they didn't require you to have a degree to be a developer or even a senior or lead developer yeah, to move you, into upper management, they want you to have a degree. Well, especially like CIO type yeah. roles. Like when I started, you could probably do that without a degree in that. Just, you know, you were a developer and you just kept moving up. Mm -hmm. But that there's a ceiling on that now. 
There really is, yeah. Um, you just you just can't get there from here without the degree to, to back that up. Now, this does not have to be a computer science degree. Degrees in business, management, or CIS are a good choice for these requirements. So if you don't want to get like all the math and all the theory, you can go and get a business degree if you don't already have one. Yeah, and I would almost think, you know, it, like if you're going for the CIO role, mm-hmm. like the financials. Financials or like an MBA. Yeah, because the thing is, is you're you're gonna you gotta think about who you're reporting to on that one, right? Like mm-hmm. you're probably reporting to the CEO or the CFO, and what do they look at all day? So you got to speak their language just right. to get in the room. Now, getting an MBA or master's degree will improve your chances of moving into management. You also be taking courses in leadership and learning how to be a manager by doing that. Yeah, and that's something that's really undervalued uh, as well. Is like it's a real shock the first time you go into management and you realize that. Not everybody's like you. Oh, yeah. I did that when I was still in psych. Yeah. And in grad school, managing people working at um, mental health facilities. That was... I did that a year and a half out of college. Now, granted, I was was managing a massage therapist, which made it just way worse. And we won't talk about why that... How all that happened. Um, But... You know, part of the trick of management is knowing like how to handle people that are not in your headspace. Yeah. And it's, it is a shock to the system. So I can see that being extremely valuable because you're going to learn it the hard way if you don't learn it in school. Now, when the economy goes through times of recession, having a degree will put you ahead of other candidates. Some statistics, unemployment rates are around 5.2% for people without a degree, whereas those with a bachelor's degree are about 2.7% on average. And this may be old data. I got this from a blog post from about a year or two ago. So yeah, and I think I think the uh, unemployment rate has kind of gone down some so. in the last year or two. But yeah. uh, there's right now there's more uh, computing jobs available than there are people to do them. Yeah, and, and it's going to be that way for a while. Probably. Yeah, the Bureau of Labor Statistics projects computing and information technology jobs will grow about twelve to thirty percent through twenty twenty two. So there's going to be get more jobs, um, and we do have a lot of code schools and a lot of people, like more people getting into the field, but the amount of jobs is growing faster than the amount of people getting into the field. Getting a degree, no matter the level, increases your confidence and gives you a sense of accomplishment. You know, graduating from school, it's a satisfying feeling. I remember that. I, you know, I, uh, I remember graduating. And I left the campus that day, and the next time I went back on campus was probably, I, I want to say it was eight or nine years later. Oh, well, I was back uh, the next year because my sister was in school there. But yeah, yeah, so I was just done. Yeah. You, you've accomplished something that a lot of other people haven't done, uh, and it, it kind of proves your worth to yourself. Now, also, imposter syndrome is a real thing. A lot of people worry about being found out for faking it at their jobs, they lack the confidence to make decisions and they're constantly doubting themselves throughout yeah, and, this process. And getting a degree helps a lot of people overcome that. Even though computer science majors do also get imposter syndrome at times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had it bad mm-hmm. for a very long time and I still get it. And I mean, crap, you know, the, like literally the first time I got paid for code was 20 years ago in November and I still get imposter syndrome. So yeah, if you're experiencing that, just write it out. Mm-hmm. Finishing a degree program does prepare you to be more confident. 
It provides the tools and training to better yourself as a coder. Also, you'll gain validation in your decision to go into software development. Yeah, because you'll find out real quick whether you like it or not when mm-hmm. it's not paying. Right. And you're having to do it. When it's costing you money to do it, you find out whether you like something real quick. I guess yeah. is a good way to put it. Improved confidence and personal sense of accomplishment show in the way that you carry yourself at the job and in future interviews. There's several professions that require an advanced or graduate degree. Thankfully, coding is typically not one of those. Uh, there are areas in software development that require or are enhanced by having a graduate degree, however. Uh, these tend to be more focused on the engineering side of computer science or lower level uh, you know, coding things. So this is like data science, uh, artificial intelligence, you know, computational biology, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That actually was what I was trying to go into um, way back. Research in computer science or areas around it will require that you have at least a master's and more likely a Ph.D., Also, teaching at a college level requires an advanced degree in computer science or related area. I know there are some computer science teachers that are that got their degrees in physics or math. Yeah, one of the one of the better ones I dealt with in college. um, Well, actually, several of the better ones were physics. You know, Mm -hmm. high energy physics, or um, you know, and and you'll also run into a lot of like electrical engineers. Yeah, I could see that and those kind of things um, because of. You know what you're computing with, yeah. but you know for the most part, yeah, you're going to have to have a degree in advance of what the people that are paying to learn from you have. Mm-hmm. All that said, there are several reasons not to go back to school. Yeah, and the first and the easiest one is you don't need a degree to get a job. And this we, is a large part of the reason why I haven't gone back. That and other commitments. Mm-hmm. Like we we've kind of hit on this a little bit, but there are plenty of coding jobs out there that don't require you to have a degree in computer science. If you've attended a boot camp or coding school, you're already head of several computer science graduates in the eyes of many employers. Right. And that would be, you know, myself included, right? Like if there's a kid that's fresh out of a comp sci degree versus somebody that, you know, let's say I have a project that's doing Angular and mm-hmm. they just popped out of NSS and they were doing Angular. Well, f- strategically, maybe the comp sci person is better, but tactically, like right now, the, the NSS grad is is going to be way ahead of them because they have what I already need. I don't have to train this person. Yeah, there seem to be people looking for entry-level candidates that can jump right into the code base. Yeah. The, the code schools provide that practical knowledge, whereas your computer science degree provides a way to learn and think about coding. So your, your long-term investment may be a computer science degree, but your we need someone in here right now is the person right out of the code school. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I do think that the CS degree makes you better prepared for, like, a architect-type right. position. Yeah. But, like, you know, front-end web developer, you know, even all, probably all the way up to senior dev. Like, you're just not mm-hmm. running into stuff as much. And the cost of going back to school may outweigh the gains you get from the degree. Yeah. I mean, a degree is really expensive um, in the U.S. especially. And they really have to pay off to be worth it. You need to treat this as a business decision because... That's what it is. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity cost related to going back to school. For example, you will not be as open to promotion while you're attending school. Yeah, because your plate's already full. Like They they can't pile more on there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the decision-making process. Um, Also, you're spending time, money, and resources that could be used to get ahead in your profession. So instead of learning the fundamentals and the basics, you could be learning language specifics and things that you could do to get the next job or starting a business for that matter. 
um, you know, that's that's another path, and that's kind of where I am on that. That's how I intend to bump mine up is not going back to school, but you know, doing business things. Uh, it's also harder to change jobs because your schedule is less flexible you know, when you've got a degree like that. Because you may get a new job, and they may go, "Oh, well, you know, we need you to stay late on Wednesday nights." And you're like, I "Have a class." And you can't change that. It's also very disruptive. You know, you get to a new job, you know, like there's there's a mental overhead mm-hmm. there. And so you switch and you have a f- um, after work commitment to something yeah. that is knowledge intensive. That That's rough. I would suggest if you're going to do this to do it over the summer and not take any summer classes or take a semester off yeah. to, to make that transition. Yeah, and I would say that beforehand, um, another thing you need to make sure you do is you get a job somewhere stable. Yes, that is very, very true. Um, so it's not inflicted upon you. Mm-hmm. Now, also under this, the pay increase that you get from going back to school may not be enough to effectively cover the cost of school. You know, For example, if you get a student loan, you could end up being behind because of the interest on that loan. Yeah, um, you know, housing costs go up. The cost of everything goes up. Your salary doesn't go up as fast. Even if you get a degree, like unless you jump to another job, you're, you're going to have a hard time bumping up enough to make up the difference, especially early on. There's a break-even point that you got to think about and, yeah. and be aware of is basically like, the deal here. The, the student loan debt compounds so that you're not able to do other things in your life, like take on a mortgage. Yeah. Have a family. Right. Next, academic languages are rarely used in the real world. On-the-job coding. Yeah. Uh, academia, frankly, uh, breeds a lot of snobbery and a love for arcane solutions. I mean, most of the time, if you're popping Lisp out for something, yeah, Lisp is great. But it's not used in production a lot mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. And the thing is, this is not just in computer science. A lot of fields are like this. Yeah. Now, newer languages and frameworks and even features take time to get into the academic world. You're not likely to see Angular or React in a computer science program, but I will say I am learning Java. Yeah. And well, how long and has Java seen, been around? Um, I did it in my computer science yeah. program in one class. Um, it was kind of coming up. Languages change and evolve, but if one team member uses some old or unique feature and starts including it in the code base, everyone's going to have to learn it. Yeah, and you'll see people, um, and it doesn't happen as much now, but like just an example of this, you'll see people five to eight years ago getting out of school and they had a SQL class, specifically with SQL Server, and they're dumping cursors everywhere for all the things Mm -hmm. because they were taught that in school because there's a lot of stuff that you couldn't do in real old versions of SQL that they made the textbooks for because the textbooks are five years out of date when you go through. And so, yeah, they were just making things miserable for people for a while there. Now, if everyone does this, it can create clutter and confusion and make a code base so it's almost impossible to read. It also adds excessive amounts of time to getting new people up to speed because they have to learn all the different styles and all, like, you graduated in 2002. Right. And then I go back to school and I'll get out in, like, 2021. Yeah. And if we're in the same code base... Well, we'll be using the same things because I don't use what I learned in school. But Right. But if you were yeah. using what you learned in school and I was using what I learned in school, it would. Like, yeah, it would butt heads real bad. Right. Exactly. Because um, you end up with this, um, you know, like a, a, a company will sit around and especially if they're hiring CS grads over mm-hmm. years, you get this lava flow pattern. 
yeah. in the code base where it's like, here's this really old crap that nobody touches because they don't want to. And then there's some newer crap piled on top of that. And then there's some newer than that crap. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, every, you know, like you can see who the developers were going all the way back down there. It's like an archaeological dig. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to get that dynamic if you're not careful. Now, unless you're staying in academia and doing research, you're unlikely to use the languages you learn in school. Just as academic languages aren't used in a lot of real world coding, modern languages and frameworks are rarely taught in academia. University programs focus on the more sustainable skills and fundamentals of programming over the ever-changing framework of the week, which is good, mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, crap, if you were doing JavaScript oh, yeah. in there... Um, yeah, what, mean, what you learned your freshman year is completely different by the time you graduate. Well, I mean, I got a JavaScript book not too long ago yeah. that by the time Amazon delivered it, I ordered it you know, pre-release. By the time it came out, there was a new version of Angular. <laughs> So, computer science programs produce deep thinkers who understand the core fundamentals that languages are built on and, and use themselves, um, but they have a shallow knowledge of the language. Yeah, they can't. Um, it, it's sort of like the person that can tell you all the different verb forms in Russian, but they can't get a folk song in, in that language. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the implementation thing is not something they've seen. They know the theory. Yes. With that said, a lot of what you face in the real world are challenges dealing with like the idiosyncrasies of the language or framework. In general, you're less likely to be focused on algorithm efficiency than you are on getting Angular to play right with a Java API. Yeah. <laughs> See, I get to uh, I get to get both of those in my job because yeah. it just it varies so much, but mm -hmm. it's pretty rare. You you won't be using much of what you learn in school in your day-to-day -day activities, though they may come up every now and then. And you're in a job where you are using some of them. Yeah, although I will say this, the you know, like the background knowledge, the the ability to have created assumptions that help you, mm -hmm. you will use that. It's just like you don't notice the stuff that you're using, if that makes sense. It's it's headspace, not implementation. So now that we've talked about the different programs and things, we're going to talk about making the decision. Yeah. Once you know the options on returning to school and the reasons both for and against going back, you got to make a decision on it. Like you don't want to sit on this forever. You're going to have to look at how this is going to affect your life and then weigh the options and create your own list of pros and cons. Because there's some things that are going to bother different people to a different degree. Like going back to academia is not something I'm interested in for a number of very deep reasons. Yeah. Now, I went through this very recently where I weighed the options and ended up deciding to apply and go back to school. So first, we're going to talk about the effects of going back to school on your life. Returning or starting school will impact your work life. You may not expect it to do so, but going back to school is going to affect how you're treated at work. Yeah, and this can be a good thing with coworkers and managers expecting you to bring new insights into the business. However, it can backfire if they're worried about you leaving or that you're doing schoolwork on the clock. Right. That's a real bad one. That's kind of like having a side business. Right. And this, this is interesting because where I work, they encourage it. And we've got several people that are going back to school and we're all bringing in because like we have some people doing business stuff, some CIS stuff, and then you know, me doing the more computer science stuff. So we're all bringing different things in and trying to make our workplace better. Yeah. Whereas a lot of workplaces are just trying to get stuff done. And so that yeah. they're just not 
open to that at all, even if they're paying for it. Yeah. Now, they may also worry that you will not be available for emergencies or if you have an on-call rotation. Now, maintaining the balance between work and school can be really difficult, especially when you have some downtime at work. Like if you have a long build process or if you're waiting on like operations to to adjust something on the server before you can promote and you just don't have anything right at hand to do, you on the one hand by studying for school during your downtime, you're improving yourself and potentially making your code base better. On the other hand, you're spending time not focused on work. And so there's this managerial ethos of we value butts and seats and screens with the IDE open, even if you're staring blankly into space. Unfortunately, that's still there. So you do have to be very, very aware of that. You're probably better off keeping the two things separate and not doing schoolwork when you're on the clock. It's the same thing with having this podcast, right? Like the stuff I bring into work that I learned while researching things for the podcast. And that happens all the time, even you know, at my level. That's valuable for work, but I don't ever... Research podcast stuff at work. Right. Yeah, Be- I don't either. Because the appearance of that just... Yeah, it, it, it gives the wrong impression. Yeah, um, it just starts up drama. So that's that's something you're going to have to be real careful about. Also, understand that you'll be spending even more time in front of a computer. For some, this may not be a problem at all because you're already studying and spending more time behind the screen outside of work. For others, though, this is going to take some adjustment to get used to being on the computer at work and for school. And you're not doing fun things in either place. Right. Um, Potentially. Like, you're not playing video games when you get home. You're, you know, writing Pascal programs or something. Yeah. Keeping up with changes in your framework that you're using at work also becomes more difficult because you're learning probably not that. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting because as I was writing this episode, we got a question from one of our listeners and a shout out to John Wells, who asked me how I was keeping up with the technologies in dev while also going back to school. And so it's funny that he asked that as I was writing this episode. Thing is, academia tends to be behind newer trends. We've already talked about this a little bit, but you're not likely to be learning about the newest JavaScript frameworks in school. Yeah, they may or may not be caught up with what you're doing at work. You know, even in my work, even though we have some you know Delphi yeah. code sitting around, like that's that stuff is not going to be taught in school. It's really going to depend on how cutting edge of a technology and tech stack you're using. Yeah. And, you know, I've run into the same thing, um, just learning business stuff mm-hmm. on the side. Like, it's hard to keep up with the tech when you're trying to get another trajectory going, regardless of whether you're in school or not. Yeah. This does tend to be less of a problem if you're working in an older code base. Yeah. You will have to set aside time to work towards maintaining your knowledge of what you're using at work while you're taking classes. Uh, your classes are not likely to use the same language or tools that you're doing at work. I mean... Come on, Java, man. I mean, I'm doing that in school, but I'm doing C Sharp at work. Yeah, but even if you were doing, uh, you know, Java at work, like what they're showing you in school, you're you're probably going to look at it and go, oh, but this is, I can't do that because it's this yeah. you know, ancient version of the compiler <laughs> that's a you know, command line or something, you know. Yeah. Since you're setting up a place and time to study, this is a good time to also get a subscription to a service like Linda or Pluralsight. Just to have on the side and you know maybe once or twice a month go through a course on there in addition to your school to keep up with what you're doing and we could go into a whole episode on keeping up with technology yeah 
There's another side effect, and that's that going back to school will affect your social and family life. Yeah. Um, if you're closer to the traditional college age, you may decide to get involved on campus. If you're an old fart like us, you're probably not going to do that. Oh, about you, man? I love getting involved on campus. Unfortunately, my campus is two and a half hours away from yeah. me, so I, I can't do as much. I did go down for orientation and met a bunch of other graduate students, uh, made some new friends. It was really cool. But when I went back to school to do the pre-med stuff, I was very involved on campus because I was in my mid-20s and most of the other students were in their early 20s. So, I was like just like two or three years ahead. Yeah, you could kind of be a leader, whereas yeah. now you're like... You're like a hall monitor. Well, I'm the, the older difference. brother. Yeah, yeah, you're the you're the older, the much older sure. brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I could see this being a problem for extroverts because you have less ability to go out with friends and family. Yeah, spontaneous and, outings are going to become rare when you're in school. You're not going to be able to just up and go. Our friend Jr. has suffered from this because before I started back to school during the week, if it wasn't recording night. Um, yeah. He'd call me up on his night off or the day before and be like, hey, you you want to go play trivia or you want to go do this or that, go see a movie or something. And I was always like, all right, yeah, man, I can I can adjust around. And that. I used to do that with him, too, back before I got really pushing hard on the business stuff. And it's uh. it's very similar mm -hmm. kind of side effects. It's, it really it really is. Because, I mean, it's, it's almost like I'm getting an MBA without yeah. going to school for it. Now, you can still get your needed social time by building it into your schedule. For example, talking about our friend JR, I set aside Tuesday evenings because his favorite place to play trivia, I don't care where we go as long as it's fun. And there's beer. Yeah, has trivia on Tuesday nights. But I also, when he can't go, I have a church group that I go out with. Now, before school, I was going out two or three nights a week, but I had to cut that back to spend time studying. And now I have one night that Tuesday nights is my night of the week that I go out. And I should probably have a night like that. I just don't anymore. Yeah. Making friends in your program or participating in study groups can help a lot with getting social time. I mean, you're getting a group of people that's doing the same thing and you can still be friends with them. Introverts will have to be even more careful about running out of energy in social settings. Right. Because you're not coming in with as much. Right. You may not realize how much of your schoolwork is draining you. Especially if you have to participate in courses, even online courses can drain your socializing meter. Yeah. And, you know, this is something I've experienced quite a bit. And that's one of the reasons, like, actually going back to school is not a, in the cards. Yeah. And also, you're going to be tired and cranky at times. Usually, this is going to be around midterms and finals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your stress levels will increase with the increased workload. That's just a fact. Uh, make sure to take time for yourself to relax and do things that help remove stress. Set aside some personal time in your daily or your weekly schedules. This may be just downtime in front of the TV or playing mindless video games. Yeah, and it could even be, you know, celebratory stuff. Like, yeah. you know, you and I used to go get sushi after finals. Yeah. Just as kind of a, you know, this is a thing I'm looking forward to because this other stuff sucks. Be wary of how this will affect your relationships with friends and family. People who support you at first are likely to rescind that support if you become grumpy and snap at them a lot. Yeah, or if you're not able to spend time with them. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, close family. That can really backfire in a hurry. Close family, real close friends. You're, you're going to want people like your spouse or your boss on your side while you're going through school. Like the extra drama will not help you. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out how to avoid that ahead of time. Yeah, you're going to want to get them, get them in the game. 
so yeah. to speak. Now that we've talked about all the stuff around it, we're going to get into weighing your options when considering going back to school. And the most important thing that you have to consider when weighing the options of whether or not to go back to school is the amount of time that it will take. We've already talked about the effects on your social personal life, but this is going to take a lot of time away from you. You need to start keeping a schedule up front. Yeah, habit is a is a big deal here. Mm-hmm. Um, this will prevent you from getting caught up in the moment and overcommitting to things. We don't know anybody that overcommits to anything that maybe had a wedding rehearsal and a wedding that was like massively overplanned and then a bunch of stuff changed. <laughs> we don't know anybody like that. Yeah, However, totally, if we did, it was totally steampunk themed, and I made. Every, wait, I said I, uh, everyone dressed in steampunk, having all of your friends and family dress steampunk was, it was worth it. It was so worth it for all that. Yeah. Another thing you got to do is, uh, make sure that your family and other obligations know about important dates for school, like exams. Um, you know, I have some extended family, I have some family members that just in general like to schedule stuff and not ask, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, can you go to this? It's like the thing will be on a Saturday and they schedule on yeah. Tuesday and they're like, Oh, you come? No. Now also understand that you will have to reduce the number of time-consuming activities that you're involved in. This means a lot less time in front of your TV or playing video games. Yeah. It may also mean not seeing the latest movies when they come out or going on vacation as much. Yeah. What it does not mean is that you can never watch TV or that you can never go on vacation. You can still do that. You're just not going to be able to do it at the level that you were doing it before. Well, and you you have to do it with intention. Right. It's not... You know, it's not a default. Like, you don't default to sitting down and watching TV because it's a waste of time. Yeah. And you don't have time now. Now, if it's been a while since you've been in school, you may need to set aside some time to relearn how to study. The next biggest consideration that you have to weigh is the cost of the degree. And we, we've kind of discussed this a little bit in some of the negatives, but it's also going to be different in different countries, um, especially ones where the government has subsidized education. Yeah, whereas ours is like, oh, yeah, here, you can have a loan that you can't ever get away from. So yeah. they kind of subsidize the lender, <laughs> not us. <laughs> yeah, Attending a private institution is going to cost a lot more than going to a public school Yeah, um, here in the U.S. specifically. Public schools are subsidized a lot with taxes, so their costs aren't as much. I know when I was in grad school the first time, I was paying the exact same amount for public graduate school as my sister was for private school per class. Yeah. I was like, I think we were both paying $330 per semester hour. And, and that was a while back. Yeah. That that was that was pretty average yeah. for grad school, but because she was going to a private institution, that's what she was paying undergraduate. And they've got lots of pretty buildings there now, too. They do. They do. <laughs> graduate classes, though, generally cost more than undergraduate courses. Now- All that said, sometimes your employer may help pay for school. This is the situation that I'm in. If you are in this situation, though, you may have to work for them for a certain amount of time um, to pay them back. Yeah, or you have to pay them back if you decide to leave. Exactly. Even if you're not obligated to stay there for a certain amount of time after you finish your degree, you will need to stay there for the length of time that you're in school to keep getting the benefit. Yeah, because like you don't want to quit, you know, right, right before, you know, like... You know, a couple semesters before you're done, and then it's like, oh, how am I going to pay for this? Right. Oops. Next, you'll need to know how you returning to school is going to be viewed by your employer. Yeah, and the big thing here is communicate. Um, you got to let your boss know because they may have plans to promote you or move you to a, a more demanding position, 
or you may be about to get downsized yep. and not know it. And, you know, some bosses will be like, Hey, I wouldn't do that. Like, yep. you know, legitimately they'll, they'll protect you. Some of them won't, they'll just let you hang, but you know, that's, that's life. If you're going back to school for a promotion, work with them to determine what type of degree you need to move forward. You know, they're also going to be reassured by being included in the decision making process. Yeah. So the, the thing here is not coming in and saying, Hey, I just, you know, got accepted into school. It's, Hey, I'm thinking about going back to school, you know, on, on the side, one or two classes, that's it. But, you know, talking to them about it before you make the decision. Yeah. Cause especially if you've got a really good boss, they may figure out a way to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually got the opportunity to go back to school and because of some family stuff, I wasn't able to do that. My boss in question knew I was interested in biologically inspired computing algorithms. Mm-hmm. Like we'd had that conversation. And so he was kind of looking for that yeah. stuff and came to me about it. Get them involved. Like the, the worst thing that can happen is, is they can cut you loose from the job and you can find a job that will actually support you because mm-hmm. you don't want to get halfway through a degree and then get nailed. Yeah. On that companies and employers, they're going to have different attitudes and policies related to employees attending school. Many will support your decision and encourage, if not financially support you. Others, however, may not be as supportive. Be careful when talking about what you plan to do after you get the degree. Yeah. Because you don't want to say, hey, I'm getting this degree and I'm leaving. Yeah. Now, when you make the decision to return to school, also have to talk it over with other people that are important to you. Don't You don't just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially bad when you talk it over with people that are supposedly important to you and they go, hey, wait a little while and you just go do it anyway. That doesn't fly. Um, I've seen several people do that. That really, really ratchets up the tension a lot. Your spouse may have other plans that will interfere with your school schedule. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, let's say that your wife hasn't told you that she's pregnant and you just signed up for new classes. Yeah. That's a problem. Getting that out up front is going to prevent these arguments and stresses later. If it's not a good time, they may ask you to wait a semester or two. You know, the other thing here is friends can have surprising insights when making decisions like this. Also, if you do have a side hustle or a podcast, for example, make sure that you let your business partner know your plan. Yeah, it, that's, um, this is something that I've, I've had run-ins with this. Like, cause you did, you did well, right? Like you, we talked about oh, this. Oh, well, like for I told months. you, I, like we started talking about this back in March or April. Yeah. Of this year. Um, but I've had, I've had partners on other business ventures that have, it's not just college, right? Like they've, we've put hundreds of hours into stuff and then they make major life decisions. They're like, nope, I'm just dropping out and you're just out of luck for the time you, you dumped in. Yeah. And that, you don't put people in that situation. Yeah. Like you, you and I, and I, I did this on purpose because I want to keep doing the podcast while I'm in school. And so we started talking about it. I started school at the end of August before I even applied while I was still going, all right, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. I'm looking for programs. You and I started talking about it and we started putting things into place so that it would make it easier for me to do that if I decided to do it because you encouraged it. Right. And we plan, you know, the other thing too, is we tend to plan a quarter or two out, right? So you had to kind of tell me so that we could start making decisions and we had to cut back on some stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stuff was stuff I didn't really, I'm not going to say I didn't want to do it. It was, it was more like, okay, this is not like the core 
It wasn't focus. where we really wanted to be. Yeah. And so it caused us to go, hey, let's focus on the things that we really want to do. Yeah. And and that will happen. What we're really getting at here is start the conversation early. Yeah. Don't the, don't do it after you've already sent off the paperwork. Right. The decision to go back to school or to attend in the first place is big and life altering. It should not be taken lightly. It's a very personal and very difficult decision to make. If you're thinking about it, this is just some information that you'll need to consider when making that decision. Take your time and weigh all the options. If needed, create a list of pros and cons where you can physically look at the benefits and the costs of your choice, along with the benefits and costs of not going back to school. This is what I did. Yeah, and especially like yours because of the employer. Yeah. You know, that makes a huge huge difference. It does. College doesn't teach you everything. Be on the lookout for another episode in this collection on formal learning, where we'll discuss the bad lessons learned in college and a computer science program. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to reiterate the importance of talking to concerned parties before you make a major decision. The thing about it is, is people are not necessarily going to be against you making a decision that helps you know your life. They're going to be mad at you, though, if you make that decision suddenly and it hurts theirs. And they didn't have time to plan. They didn't have time to adjust. They're just, you know, hung out to dry. Um, this goes a little bit further than just, you know, going back to school. This is everything from, you know, deciding to get married, for instance, like, you know, if you are in a business situation and you've got a partner, a business partner, and they just up and get married one day. Like that's pretty shocking as a business partner. It's it's really hard to deal with because you know that their commitment is is not there, and you also know how much they value you because they didn't tell you. It's a lot easier to head these problems off at the pass and just go, okay, here's what I'm looking to do. Is you know this is where I'm going. If if you do that, you'll find people buy in a lot more because they feel like they had a part in the decision, even though it was completely your decision. So I just want to reiterate how valuable that is. Just be sure and kind of do that. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.